pleasant good morning, everyone. Um, thanks very much, Katie and the worship team, for that wonderful time of worship, sung worship and just praising God and reading out openly. It's amazing, isn't it, when God just moves unplanned sometimes. It's um, just wonderful just to see him work. This morning's passage is from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Switch on your Bibles. <laughs> and if you don't have one yet, uh, just raise your hand, please. <clears throat> Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Just a couple of quick things um, before, before we start. Um, first of all, I'd be very surprised if most, if not all of you here, haven't actually read this passage before some point in life, whether it's at you know, Girls' Brigade or Sunday School or whatever it is. Um, and so the tendency or the temptation could be to actually just switch off and just, you know, just kind of just sit there and say, yeah, I know that, I know it, I know it. Um, but can I urge you, please, to perhaps just set aside, just even temporarily, momentarily, uh, what you've heard before. Hopefully something new and a little bit fresh or one or two little nuggets will, will, be, um, will just come to life. Even if it's just a repetition, that would be really good for you just to, just, just to see that. Um, the second thing is, feel free to take notes, um, whether it's through your smartphone or your tablet or the tried and tested pen and paper. Um, I know there are a number of times when I, when I take notes, and after a few weeks and months, and I'm going through um, some of my notes on my phone or wherever, um, I'm, I'm amazed, I'm so surprised how, how God actually just moves, and that sermon that I stumble across is so relevant for the time and for the thing that I'm going through at that point in time. So feel free to take notes if you, if you want to do that. Dave, over to you. Just shook it the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Just shook it the battle of Jericho, and the walls came doubling down. Hallelujah. Just shook it the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Just shook it the battle of Jericho, 
songs of all time. I used to sing with a group called the University Singers in the Caribbean, and this is, um, we used to sing this song a lot. Uh, we used to sing it in the Caribbean, and also we would tour in North America and, and further afield in Europe and so on. And um, sometimes we would sing it in, in a gospel format, like, just like this here. And sometimes we'd sing it with kind of a fusion of classical music and Negro spiritual type style. And uh, sometimes in six-part or even eight-part harmony. It's such a vivid imagery, isn't it? Um, and this is, a, this is a scene and a setting for, for a passage this morning. Um, so it's all about, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. After the army had marched round them for seven days. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. Now Jericho wasn't just famous for the walls coming tumbling down by Joshua's army. It's also famous for other important historical biblical encounters. It was at Jericho that Rahab, the prostitute, to avoid them being killed, hid the two Israeli spies that Joshua sent to spy out the land. It was also in Jericho that Joshua was commanded to take off his sandals when he came face to face with God, because this is holy ground. It was on the road to Jerusalem, or from Jerusalem to Jericho, that the Good Samaritan came upon the unfortunate traveler who had been robbed and left for dead. So this morning, this morning's passage, Jesus kind of sets the stage for us in five key steps. First of all, Jesus seizes the opportunity. Second, Jesus loves us unconditionally. Third, Jesus knows who's searching. Fourth, Jesus is actually the seeker. And fifth and finally, Jesus searches and rescues. So let's start with the setting then. Jesus, in verse 1, entered Jericho and he was passing through. So Jesus is here near the end of his final and decisive journey. And this journey actually takes up a lot of Luke's gospel. And started off in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, in the far north of Israel, where it says, As a time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And so for ten chapters, Jesus has been journeying to Jerusalem, the place where he's going to die. This is his primary mission, his focus. He's knowingly heading towards his death on the cross. And just a couple of verses just before, Jesus, and when all the people saw it, they started praising God. So in a sense, Jesus is, is almost becoming a celebrity here, a very famous guy. So you can picture the crowd. They are electric, pushing and shoving to get a better look 
at Jesus and who this crazy man is. This was the first time that Jesus was entering this historic city, but his reputation had preceded him. The people had come out en masse to see this man who made the lame walk and the blind see, to see the one who could speak and make the winds die down, who could just utter a command and the demons would flee. And so on this journey, Jesus is focused on teaching people, preparing his disciples for his upcoming death in Jerusalem and ultimate resurrection three days later. And so Jesus is passing through Jericho on the way to Jerusalem, which is a little bit strange if you were to think about it, because Jesus knows that he has to die. You know, this is his primary mission, to die for the sins of this world. And that's God's plan. Even when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, it was mentioned there that he was going to be, he's going to die. So why stop now? Why stop in Jericho? But friends, Jesus wasn't just passing through. He stopped in Jericho for a purpose. Something vitally important is about to take place in this historic city. And Jesus was always on the lookout for the opportunity to seek and to save. And we can even picture Jesus, you know, he was constantly in communion with God, with his Father. And saying, good God, Father, who should I seek out today? What's my purpose for being in this city? Who should I save? Who should I welcome into our kingdom? Are we like that? Do we pray regularly? Asking God, God, who should I seek out? Who do you want me to share the gospel with? Who do you want me to lead to Christ today? Should I speak to my neighbor, to my friends? How should I say it? How do I welcome them? Who is going to heaven because of us? It's not a bashing thing. This is, this is God's love. This is, you know, and we all have a different part to play. Yeah, sometimes we water, you know, we water the plant, sometimes we reap, sometimes we just plant the seeds. And what, whatever part in, um, in this journey for someone becoming saved, we have a role to play. Do we pray for opportunities to share our faith? Or do we just pass through life, meandering along without purpose, just focusing on our own needs and our own problems? We should always be ready. We should always be ready, taking advantage of every opportunity to tell others about the hope that we have in God. It's about an external focus. Less focus on our problems than internal, internally facing. And more focused on others and sharing the good news. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul said, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for the finishing of God's work that he assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Wow, ouch. In other words, our primary purpose isn't to just pass through life and just meander along, but to look out for the opportunities to tell others about Christ. 
My life is worth nothing. Oh my gosh. I'm speaking to myself here as well. I mean, is our life worthless? And we're not actually doing anything if we're not actually spreading the news of the gospel in different ways, of course. Food for thought. Verse 2. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So Zacchaeus here was a Jew and, of course, a tax collector. And tax collectors have featured quite a lot in Luke's gospel so far. And the tax collectors in, of Jesus' day wasn't qu- quite the same as the Her Majesty um, HMRC employees of, <laughs> of today, right? No one really likes paying taxes. Um, they were private contractors for the Roman government. And after collecting all the taxes, customs and other duties and, and income tax and so on, they would add fees on top. And they would give, they would give the uh, particular formula uh, um, over to the Roman government and kept the rest for themselves. So, of course, corruption was rife, even inevitable. So for a modern-day equivalent, you might think of people like pimps and, and loan sharks even. But worse than that, actually, because these tax collectors also worked for an invading Roman government, and they were always at loggerheads, and they absolutely hated each other. And so you have these tax collectors, these middlemen who were themselves Jews, standing in between, who were seen as traitors of their own people. And so Zacchaeus, as the chief, was probably hated even more than just the regular tax collectors. He would have been a social outcast, a serious sinner, a powerful rich man, but severely hated. But Luke has already told us earlier that Jesus had a special interest in hanging out with these dejected people, with all these tax collectors and other sinners. And even one of his disciples, Levi, was a tax collector. So Jesus had a habit of hanging out with these guys and always got into trouble with the religious people. Luke 5, verses 30 to 32. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Remember Jesus' parable about the tax collector who asked for mercy and was justified before God. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his chest and his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, this is what Jesus said, rather than the other, went home justified before God. What about us? What about you? Are you rich? Are you poor? Are you liked? Are you disliked? Are you good? Are you a good person? Are you bad? Do you think Jesus cares about you more or less because of who you are and because of some of the things that you've done? It's almost as if Jesus is always constantly on the lookout, especially for the social outcasts, those shunned by society. And those of us Christians, sometimes actually, I mean, you know, if God were to shine a light on our lives, we would know full well that uh, if anyone found us out, we'd be cast out by society or we'd be shunned 
even in church or outside in our communities. And we probably even feel dejected and rejected by God. But remember this, no matter what it is that we've done, whether we are a Christian or you've not yet become a believer, no matter what it is, no matter who we are or ever will be, Jesus says, come, I'm here for you. I'm your father and I love you. And if you're not yet a Christian, come, taste and see that the Lord is good and give your life to him and trust him completely because he's a great father. There's a worship song that says he's such a good, good father and he will not and he will never push you away. Verse 3, Jesus knows who is actually searching. So, So Zacchaeus is here. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. Notice here that Zacchaeus is a seeker. He's running around, you know, trying to seek and find out who this man is. Jesus said in, in 11, Luke 11, verse 9, Seek and you will find. So this is what Zacchaeus is doing. That sounds promising, doesn't it? And so Zacchaeus is here asking the right question. He is seeking to see who Jesus is. He's probably heard about Jesus' miracles and his healings and his preaching and hanging out with sinners and and other tax collectors. He said, yeah, I want to see this guy. But despite all his seeking, Zacchaeus can't find out who Jesus is because he's short and he's a little man and he's below the rest of the crowd. And so he's curious. Clothes-like royalty, pulling up his robe, running around. You can just imagine him, this wealthy, um, you know, chief tax collector in his robes and all that stuff, running down the streets in Jericho, probably losing some of his dignity. And he goes scurrying up this sycamore tree, kind of like the picture here. And I remember sometimes as, as a child, I mean, children love climbing up trees, don't they? And I'm, well, I was told this when I was about three or four years old that I climbed up a tree. It was a very tall tree and I, and I fell. And my head hit the concrete, hit the pavement. And I still have the scar here. And that didn't deter me even when I got older, you know, still in primary school and even in high school. You know, I was constantly climbing up trees, climbing up to, to the highest branch and, and hanging upside down on, by my legs. I didn't, I, I didn't give two hoots. You know, I didn't have a clue about health and safety at the time. Carefree, carefree. But one of the amazing things is that I've never ever, well, hardly ever see adults climbing up trees and going scurrying up and hanging upside down and all that stuff, right? Well, some of you, maybe. (laughs) But chances are, it was similar in Zacchaeus' day. It was very unlikely that there were many adults climbing up trees. So Zacchaeus here, climbing up this tree to see who Jesus is, was a little bit different. He's pretty keen, isn't he? God expects us to be like Zacchaeus, to be keen, to go out to people who are searching for Jesus. You never know. There are many other people like Zacchaeus who are searching to find out who this guy is. Who is it that these people worship? 
And why is it that they keep on going to church at Billericay Baptist? Many people are still searching and seeking after God. And Mark 16 verse 15 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And Acts 1 verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All over the world, people are searching. We must be ready. The analogy here is that Jerusalem represents our family and our friends and our neighbors. Love your neighbor and our work colleagues. I remember, um, I keep on hearing people saying sometimes that, that you know what, you, well, you know, my children, yeah, I'll, um, I'll wait until they grow up and let them decide for themselves. And I know this may be a, a, a little bit controversial. Um, but I'm not going to leave my children to wait, wait until they grow up and decide for themselves. I mean, they can decide now a lot of times. They are ready. Even at the tender age of five or six or eight. I remember um, Easter Monday, and Anakia will probably be, my daughter will probably be a little bit embarrassed if I were to tell you this story, but I'm, um, I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> you know, on Easter Monday, she, she, she was pretending. She was, you know, she does karate at school, and um, she was doing a karate kick playing around with her brothers. <laughs> and she slipped and she fell. And, um, and she was bracing herself with her, with her arm. And uh, yeah, her arm broke. And she screamed and she shouted. And there was no doubt whatsoever in my mind that her arm was broken. And I didn't just wait and say, well, you know what, I'll, I'll just leave it until she gets a little bit older and she can fend for herself and so on, did I? <laughs> but it's a serious point here in a sense that um, just a few months ago, uh, uh, Anna Kay and, and my youngest, William, eh, had just left Kingdom Kids, and they were talking about heaven and hell, and the good news, and the gospel of Jesus, and, and earth, and what does that mean, and where it is, and so on, and you know, is ice cream going to be available in heaven, and all these kind of wonderful conversations. And so there was a buzz in the car, and um, unfortunately, Matthew and I were, well, not unfortunately, but Matthew and I were at a football match. It was just Christine and, and the two of them. And they were saying, Mommy, 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 you were talking about heaven and earth today. And it was such a wonderful, peaceful, basic time where Christine just introduced the gospel again to them and said, do you want to just give your heart to Jesus now? I said, yes, 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 I know, I understand. I want him. I want to become a Christian. Isn't that wonderful? At the age of eight or six, that our children want to serve the Lord and giving them every opportunity to do that. So in a sense, we are responsible for our own children as well, helping them and encouraging them and urging them to, to become a child of the living King. And of course, that is Jerusalem, our family and our friends. But Judea represents the region where we live in Bilriki, in Basildon, Shenfield, Brentwood, the wider Essex. We had our churches together in, um, in Bilriki last week, Sunday evening. And it was so wonderful to hear the amazing stories of the, of the great things that are being done in our community. 
Uh, we talked about street pastors. We talked about um, planning to do a joint Christmas play on the high street um, coming up in December. And I'm sure that there's a whole lot more that we can do. So there's so many opportunities for us just to get involved in our community. And Samaria represents those culturally or in other ways different to us. Different religions or ethnicity. And of course, the ends of the earth, we know what that means. That's just everybody else, right? But it's about sharing God's love. And it doesn't have to be that hard. It's not this big formula and you have to make up your face and pray for God for the opportunity and you always have to be standing on the roadside and taking out tracks and, and yeah, you come to Jesus now. It doesn't have to be like that. It could be if you want it to be like that. But it doesn't have to be. And a lot of times that's not the way to draw people in, in, into Christ. It's all about relationships. So you can find some common ground, whether it's photography some of the things that we love to do, or we love to go walking, just take someone along. Take someone who doesn't yet know Christ along and get them to join you. Eating out, I love eating out. Oh, uh, floral arrangements and stuff like that. God is the one who gave us our talents and our gifts, and we should use them to help to bring others to Christ. Jesus the Seeker. And here is where I find that it gets exciting. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Wow, do you see this? I mean, a lot, a lot of times when I read this before, um, I thought that someone told Jesus Zacchaeus' name. But it was actually Luke who told us Zacchaeus' name. Luke tells us that this is Zacchaeus. There's, hard, there's no record that anyone told him. Of course, it could have happened, but I doubt it very much. So in a sense, well, not in a sense, Jesus knew his name. Jesus is the seeker here. Yes, before this, Zacchaeus was the one running around and seeking after God and, and you know, trying to find out who this guy is. But the point of this text isn't about Zacchaeus. The point is about the seeker. It is Jesus. Isn't it wonderful? The whole point of Jesus stopping in Jericho, Joshua for the battle of Jericho, the whole point of this story isn't just about Zacchaeus here. It's about Jesus, the seeker. And friends, Jesus knows. He knows us by name. And some of you may be here today to observe Jesus from afar. Who are these crazy people? And who is this crazy guy up here on the platform talking about getting all excited about Jesus? But the twist is that Jesus is the one who is calling us. Jesus is the one who is calling you. And when he calls your name, please, please, please do answer. And please respond. And Jesus says, I must, here in verse 5, I must stay in your house today. And whenever Jesus uses this word, must, he's talking about his part in fulfilling God's plan. Dying in Jerusalem. Luke 4, verse 43, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. 
And Luke 9, verse 22, I must, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So when Jesus says that he must do something, it is very significant. So Zacchaeus comes down and he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter and groan. We know a lot of people like that, don't we? Always love to complain. And he has gone to be the guest of a sinner, verses 6 to 7. And the crowds obviously aren't impressed. They grumbled and muttered. But Jesus, despite all of that, decides to be a guest of Zacchaeus. And he's not stopping for the sake of healing the sick or performing another miracle. He's stopping for a rich sinner, an outcast, someone who all the Jews actually hated. And so it is with us sometimes. Sometimes we as Christians are called to be friends and take the gospel to people who, who are outcasts, who are unpopular. I'm sure we know many people like that. And then finally, it's time for action. Jesus is on a search and rescue mission. Verses 8 to 10. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody else of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus has changed radically, hasn't he? In Luke 18, verse 22, there's a rich ruler who said he kept all the laws since he was a boy. He didn't murder anyone. He didn't steal anything from anyone. He didn't cheat. He didn't commit adultery or anything. But Jesus said to him, Jesus saw his heart. And Jesus said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But then he became very sad because he was wealthy and didn't want to give up his material possessions. But Zacchaeus here is very different. Even before Jesus could, Jesus could tell him to give away his possessions, Zacchaeus said, um, I'm going to give away half of everything that I have and I'm going to pay back four times what I have stolen and cheated from anyone. Why the sudden change? To give up his corrupt life and care for people who are around him. I don't think it was just about regret and feeling sorry for himself. But Zacchaeus had come face to face with the living God. He had come face to face with, with Jesus Christ. And Jesus stopped there in his tracks at his house. And says, come Zacchaeus, I want to save your family. In verses 9 to 10, Jesus is on a search and rescue mission. Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So friends, Jesus is here seeking and searching. Remember, Jesus is a real seeker here. And he also seeking to save. Jesus brings rescue. 
Rescue from what? From our sin, from death, from the judgment that we deserve for our sin. And Jesus also came to save that which was lost. And the word lost has a double meaning here. On one hand, something that is lost, like the lost coin, or or the lost sheep, or the prodigal son, the lost son, when it is missing from its proper place. And Jesus has come to seek out the lost, to restore us to the place that we should be in before God, to change us from being God's enemy to being God's beloved child. But the word lost also means being in terrible danger or perishing. So it's also something or someone who actually needs to be saved and rescued in the context of death or even, even eternal destruction. In Luke 13, verse 3, Jesus warns people that unless they repent, they will perish. So without Jesus, each one of us is lost. And that's why Jesus stopped in Jericho that day. Because he saw the perfect opportunity to show us what his mission was all about. A humbled, even humiliated man. A lost man, raised up, found, and restored. That was the whole reason that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. To die to die for our sins. It wasn't some random act of love. Jesus went to the cross so that lost people could be saved and rescued and restored. Are there certain people who who are more likely to be Christians? Nah. Did Did Jesus come just for good people? Absolutely not. Did he come for really bad people alone? Nah. Respectable people upright in society. Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. And friends, that's all of us. In a sense, that is really all of us, isn't it? John Newton. He was an 18th century slave trader who discovered this great truth. And he ultimately ultimately gave up his slave trading. And he wrote this wonderful hymn that we're about to sing in a moment. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found. Was blind. But now I see. Jesus saves us just as we are. But he never leaves us just where we are. He takes us along with him. What about you? What about us? What about me? Can Jesus still change us? You might say, you know what, I'm in a rut. I can't really change. And you'd be right. (laughs) It's actually Jesus who will change you. I might say, well, I'm too bad. I'm I'm just too evil. No, but you don't know the things that I've done in the past. (laughs) 
But it's not up to you, friends. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And that means us. That means you. That means me. He loves us so much that no matter what it is that we've done or who we think we are, like like Zacchaeus, if we just humble ourselves before him and ask for forgiveness, he will lift us up. He will have mercy on us. He will hold us in his arms and he will lift us up. If there's anyone here who's not yet a Christian, who hasn't yet given their lives to God, Jesus is calling you. Take the opportunity, if you may, just after the service, you can speak to me or anyone with a, with a, with a name tag on or anyone who's a member of this church, really. Really, and, um, and we can help you. We can talk along with you and we can pray with you. And those of us who are Christians, and sometimes, in a sense, we even feel that we're in a, you know, probably still a little bit lost. So many things going on in our lives. Please do come up and pray after the service. There's a prayer station, prayer corner over there. We'd be delighted to just pray with you and just to welcome you and just to let God show us, um, <clears throat> let God show us just how much He loves us.